Hi, this is Sally Kellerman, and you're listening to On Screen and Beyond. Dun, 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 dun. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to episode 34 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm Brian Zemrak, and this is your source for all the latest info on remakes, sequels, rumored movies, what's coming out on DVD for TV and movies, and an interview with someone from the movie, TV, or music industry. And on this episode, 34, we have a very special guest. She's a singer, an Oscar-nominated actress. She's Sally Kellerman. That's right. She was Hot Lips Houlihan on the movie MASH. And But uh, what a lot of people don't know, she is a very accomplished singer. And she has a brand new CD coming out on February 10th, and it's a wonderful collection of sultry, bluesy, jazzy tunes, and uh, we'll be playing a few of the samples of the CD during the interview, so stay tuned for that. And uh, the name of the CD is Sally, and it's available on uh, iTunes, Amazon, and retail stores everywhere coming out on February 10th, so you might want to check that out. It's a really nice CD, and that's coming up a little bit later. We'll be talking about that with Sally. Also... On our website, check out the latest poll, which uh, is which movie will win the best picture this year for the Oscars. All right. So just go to our homepage, scroll all the way down to the bottom. Down there, you'll see our poll. Go ahead and vote and see what we can come up with. See if we can get it right. And uh, let's see, don't forget uh, that we're having a contest going on right now, and it goes on through till the end of February, and it's your chance to win an autographed mini green ball signed by Ryan and Sean from the movie Ryan and Sean's Not-So-Excellent Adventure. Now, this is the same green ball, the little, little small one of, uh, uh, of what they used in the movie, a big one, of course, they had in the movie, but uh, this is what they were throwing out at the premieres. So you might want to uh, have a chance to win that. All you got to do is go to our website and go to the Ryan Sean exclusive page that we have, and you can get complete details on how to win that. And also, another thing that we're very excited here at On Screen and Beyond is we are happy to announce that syndicated radio entertainment reporter Tim Neely will be having a weekly column on onscreenandbeyond.com with the latest in Hollywood news and... Uh, it's uh, right on the page that we've set up for it, and it's called In Hollywood with Tim Neely. So you might want to go there uh, and check it out because there's a lot of good information on there. It's just about time to take it down to look at all that remake madness that's still going on right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, it looks like 1973's Westworld from Michael Crichton is heading for a possible remake, but it is possible that it might not get made due to the fact that Crichton's death was uh, just recently in November. We'll keep uh, an eye out for that one. Ray Bradbury's The Illustrated Man was a book and a 1969 movie which starred Rod Steiger, and it may be remade. It uh, right now is looking for a 2010 planned release. And The Creature from the Black Lagoon, a 1954 classic, is heading for a 2011 release as a remake written by the son of the original screenwriter. So those are some things to look out for that might be coming your way. Coming up next, upcoming movies 
right here on On Screen and Beyond. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Upcoming movies, well, The Book of Eli with Denzel Washington as Eli set for a January 2010 release is uh, post-apocalyptic westerns where a man is fighting his way across America to protect a sacred book that holds the secrets to saving mankind. It will also star Gary Oldman and Mila Kunis. And Mila Kunis from The 70s Show was also going to star in Extract with uh, Jason Bateman and Ben Affleck. It's a comedy about the personal professional problems of the owner of a flower extract plant. It's looking to be released this year. And Jason Bateman is rumored to star in a 2010 Ron Howard film titled Arrested Development. Sound familiar? Well... Should be. It was a TV show. Also rumored to be in the film are uh, Will Arnett and uh, Portia de Rossi. And uh, we'll have more info on that as it comes out. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City. Well, it looks like the sequels are still coming our way. And uh, 2010 may bring us a sequel to 30 Days of Night. And the 2007 movie starred Josh Harnett about an Alaskan town that plunges into a month of darkness and they are attacked by a gang of vampires. Vampires are big right now. All right. 2003's Beyond Good and Evil from director Michael Ansel may be bringing us a sequel to that film in 2009. And the original was an animated feature. The sequel to 2008's From Within is in the works. The original horror film starred Elizabeth Rice is looking for a possible 2010 release. Well, that's about it for sequels. And uh, coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we have TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, February 3rd, look for Dave's World to hit DVD, and uh, we will have an interview with Shadow Stevens, who played Kenny Beckett on the show very, very soon. And on February 10th, Simon and Simon arrives in stores with Season 2. Tales from the Dark Side Season 1 also arrives in stores on February 10th. Check out our review of the DVD on our website, onscreenandbeyond.com. And Uncle Jed, Granny, Jethro, and Ellie Mae. Head our way in the Beverly Hillbillies, the official third season, comes your way on February 17th. And there again, you can check our review of that out right on our website, because we've already had a pre-look at that one. And let's see, one other thing, the History Channel's Cities of the Underworld. The complete season two is available on February 24th. That's about it for TV on DVD. Coming up next, we have Movies on DVD, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Movies on DVD, well, February 10th, Josh Brolin stars in, well, depends how you want to say it, it's either W or W. 
And it uh, also stars Elizabeth Banks and Richard Dreyfus. And it's uh, the story of none other than George W. Bush. And also on February 10th, Samuel Jackson and Bernie Mac are soul men. So check that one out. And Chalk with Sam Rockwell and Angelica Houston hit stores on DVD on February 17th. It's a dark comedy. And Angelina Jolie stars in Changeling on February 17th as the mother who fights for the return of her kidnapped son. That's about it for movies on DVD. Coming up next, we have our interview with... A beautiful singer. It's just, you have to hear the CD because it is really a great CD. If you want to just sit back, snuggle with the one you love, it's a it's a great little CD for that type of thing. And uh, she's uh, such a soulful singer. It's uh, Sally Kellerman. She played Hot Lips Houlihan on the movie MASH back in 1971. She was nominated for an Oscar. She was also nominated for a Golden Globe. And uh, she's been in all kinds of other movies with Rodney Dangerfield uh, and uh, a whole bunch of other things. And she talks about that in all different movies she's been in and, and different experiences she's had. And she talks about her new CD and how it's been made and everything. So uh, you might want to... Stick around because it's really a good interview, and uh, she's uh, uh, quite a you know nice person, and uh, it's uh, you just want to stick around for that and find out and listen to some of the songs because we're going to play some little bit of samples from uh, some of the songs that are on there, and uh, you'll find out which was my favorite on the CD during the interview, and uh, that's coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond is an Oscar and Golden Globe nominee. She has guest starred on more TV shows than I can mention, is an accomplished singer with a recognizable voice, and she also has a new CD coming out on February 10th, and she even made salad dressing sexy. She was Hot Lips Houlihan on the movie MASH. It's Sally Kellerman. Welcome to the show, Sally. Well, thank you, Brian. So nice to be here with you. All right. Well, I really want to get into your CD because it's it's. I've had a chance to listen to it. You did. And oh yes, it's great. It really is. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Now I've had a chance to listen to it. Like I said, um, and of all the songs you did on there, which one would you consider your favorite? Well, let me ask you. Did you listen to it enough to have a favorite? Oh yes. <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to hear what, what it is. Okay. The one I like, the I mean, I like them all. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But the one that stuck out was Say It Isn't So. Yay. <laughs> is that the one? Oh, oh yeah. That's, so that's, that's our single, and it's so beautiful. Isn't it the most beautiful it, song? It is. That is a really, really nice song. Um, it's, just, it's just heartbreaking and so beautiful at the same time, you know, and such a... Lovely arrangement, and just yeah, it just it does really stand out. I know it, and uh, the thing I love about this album is that I've been recording since I was a kid under contract of Verve at eighteen. I made my first album uh, in the seventies, Lou Adler uh, of Sam Cooke, of Mamas and Papas, Carol King, fame. You know, I produced my first demo, and it led to my first record deal at Decca. Uh, and it was Janis Joplin based. I'd started with jazz influence, but then 
when Laura Nero and Janice Chaplin came along, you know, and, and then I just, I was like, whoa. And so it was my first album. It's called Roll With The Feeling. And it's just kind of raw with no real, you know, technique just straight out the front, you know, just raw emotion and whatever it was, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been I've been at this for forever. I've been in Muscle Shoals and Nashville and Barry Manilow produced some singles and Bobby Womack and I've just I've just been at it all this time and then uh and then here in town I, I have a residency they call it, you know, where once a month if we're here, if we're not on the road or something, we play at Genghis Cohen. And it usually is the first Wednesday of every month this year. This time it's the tenth of February, the release date, just coincidentally oh. my keyboard Chris Caswell uh, wasn't free to do it on the 4th. So I'm, I'm at Genghis Cohen on the 10th, too. Um, but what what's so exciting to me about this particular album is that I, you know, I finally got free musically. I mean, it took me all these years. Somebody asked me recently, what took you so long? Oh, I'm a little dull, you know. I guess it's a little slow. I'm a late bloomer. You know, because <laughs> It took me all these years, and Robert Altman would say to me, I don't give a shit what you say. I just want to hear you sing. You know, no long <laughs> stories and no long, you know. And uh, and and then my shrink saying to me, you know, and I was saying, well, I've never had such a response, and then never had such a connection with the audience, and never, you know, and he said, well, it's all, I just go ahead and say these words, because we're not on network TV. <laughs> it's all bullshit. Yes, there's a lot of people who have lousy language, are there? So a lot of bullshit unless you're having a good time, and and that's what's happened. That's what's happened is that in the music I'm having a great time. And I I was saying to someone the other day sitting next to uh, a wonderful keyboard player, and someone said, "Oh, I saw you at the Roxy, you know." And I was singing standards, and I said, "Oh yeah, that's when I was still trying to be good, <laughs> you know." And and that really that really was it. I was trying to be perfect. I was trying to you know all these years of singing and working and. All the different influences I've had, I was always, it was always part of it that was hard, you know, mm-hmm. particularly in the live shows and things. And, uh, and suddenly it wasn't anymore. Suddenly it was just, uh, Chris Caswell, uh, is my, uh, keyboard, uh, and he wrote three of the songs on the, on the album, the first one, and then, uh, somebody called the cops, and by heart. And, uh, you know, it was just a, you know, uh, it doesn't come from immediate, you know, I just, it's more music talk and things like that. Not, you know, I don't want to bore everyone to death, but it was just a real, in the last, we've been kind of working so steadily about the last almost four years and working on new material and bringing it in. Suddenly I just, you know, like a miracle, these songs have appeared. Mm-hmm. Just by accident, I'm shooting something in Florida and the guy on the cruise says, I think I have a song that would really be right for you and it just it's, it's over overnight it's the one that kind of has a very white feel and mm-hmm. it's just I mean I don't know I don't know how you feel and everybody will feel you know one way or the other but the response has been so great to this album and and I'm so proud of it I'm so excited to and, and proud I, I just uh, by staying and having that uh, that time again as Cohen you know just once a, once a month knowing that I would be appearing on a pretty regular basis in town, mm-hmm. which is what they tell you to do. You know, they say, hey, just pick a place and keep staying there. And then in walked Val Garay, who's the producer of the album, and he just is so brilliant, just made everything that much better, made me that much better, and his musical ideas, the harmonica that comes in just when you need it to, and, you know, and then that fiddle on, on Sugar in My Bowl, just 
so much, uh, just so many wonderful kind of small miracles, you know, that just appeared. And certainly, say it isn't so is one of those. Yeah, that, that I like that song. That is really a nice song. Really beautiful. And I was at my friend Morgan Ames' house, and uh, Mervyn Warrens was there, and they said, "Oh, Mervyn, play something, play something." And he said, "Oh, I don't know what I'd play, but possibly." And then he sat down and played this thing that he wrote. And I just went, oh, my God, can I, is there any chance I could work on that and blah, blah, blah. And so, anyway, it's turned out to be our single, and it seems to. People just love it. And so I get calls back, and I love the album. We were dancing around, and then they call back and say, we've been playing, playing in the car, and we keep crying every time we get started. So, so well, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to have a good cry, <laughs> tune in. But again, I know why I was talking about the, the, all the whole history. I managed to slip in the whole history. <laughs> but the Janis Joplin influence, the thing I like for me about this album is that it has, it kind of encompasses the whole, all the parts of who I am, which is the ballads, which you know I can't get enough of. But, but then it has the funky, it has the Creedence Clearwater song, Blue, Blue Night, and, and, uh, Mike Stoller and Jerry Lieber, Lieber and Stoller, have been big supporters of mine, and, uh, and they wrote Love Post Number Nine. Of course, we do it sort of as a <coughs> funky blues kind of thing. And anyway, there won't be much more for you to ask me when I get through. But <laughs> Hal David of Backrack and David has been just one of the dearest and biggest supporters, also of mine. And so I've just been so lucky the people that have just come into my life. And that and, you know, champion me. So that's my story about the CD. And uh, I would say to your audience, rush, do not walk. <laughs> here is <laughs> online or offline, you know, on, uh, February 10th. Hmm? So thanks for letting me talk about that. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, but uh, we're going to take a second here. We're going to play a, just a little snippet of it, just so people get an idea of what... Yeah, please, because you know, it's something it, to say, oh, you're a singer, oh, good for you. You're an actress, I didn't know you sang, you know. Yeah. So this right here is Say It Isn't So from Sally's new CD, which comes out on February 10th. And it's called say, Sally. Say you didn't say you have to let me go. And say you didn't come here just to let me know. Because I don't want to know. Say it isn't so. Stay here till the break of dawn Just to say in passing That the feeling's gone And you're moving on Say you love me still Say you always will Tell me that you'll always want me All right, that was Say It Isn't So from Sally, the CD from Sally Kellerman, and uh, that comes out on February 10th. And Sally, that is such a nice song. I, I really can't say enough about that one. It's, it's, it's such a romantic song. All right, another cut that was on that CD um, is uh, a rendition of Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. And how did you come about doing that song? Oh, my gosh. You know, we, we had already mastered the album. We had ten cuts, and we were really happy with the album. And then I one night I brought in, I don't want to miss a thing. 
into uh, Genghis Cohen, and uh, my pal, Gray's partner, Henry Marks, came to me and said, there's just one thing wrong with that song. I said, what's that? He said, we have to go back in the studio and cut it. So while we were going back in the studio, and they said, you know, we don't have a duet, and they knew this guy, R.J. Ross, uh, that uh, has a new album out that's really funky and great, really good. And uh, they said his voice would be so great with yours. And I said, okay, great. You know, but what are we going to sing, guys? So anyway, a couple of days go by, and we're about to go back in the studio. And I said, oh, Diane Warren. I love Diane Warren. She writes this great, great songs. Let's look her up and see what she's written. Maybe, maybe. And, and then Meredith McHugh, my, my assistant, said, oh, I love that Aerosmith song. Did you ever hear that? I go, no, I didn't. And she plays it for me. And I go, oh, my God, gorgeous. Oh, that's perfect, and that would make a great duet. So the next day they come over, and they say, okay, now we got to find a song for this duet. I mean, the whole other album, our whole album had been so thoroughly thought through and taken the time, and I'd worked on the songs, you know, and, and demoed them and everything. You know, so, you know, And here we are, like, with the seat of our pants going, okay, what are we going to do for the duet in ten minutes, you know? So I said, well, I just heard this thing. And they said, okay, when they, what's going on? What about the Chicago song? What about this? I say. No, no, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. No, no, they kept going. I said, the only thing I like, like a five-year-old, the only thing I like is I don't want to miss a thing. And Val goes, that's too hard, man. That's a pop anthem. There's no way I'm going to be able to make that, you know, fit and work with you. Well, it's just too hard. I just not, it's ridiculous. And Henry goes, Val, that's the only one she likes. <laughs> <laughs> and so Val came back with this feel. That it is so different, isn't it? And it, so yeah, good. It is. It, it, it really, and I was trying to, I didn't know who the, the duet was with. And well, I was trying. A man named R.J. Ross. Yeah, it should, well, be in, it should be in the, on the, in the album. Yeah, and I was trying to think who it was. And, and I mean, this was just when I had it in the car and I'm driving and I wasn't going to look at anything. And uh, I'm listening to it and I said, it sounds almost a little like Aaron Neville, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, Aaron Neville, little Michael McDonald. Yeah. You know, yeah, oh, that's great. I can't wait to tell him. Uh, but, you know, uh, so when he came in, and I'm just going, oh, I hate that feel because I've been thinking, you know, Stephen Tyler, all that angst and all that. Oh, <laughs> but the lyrics are, you know, I could stay awake just to hear you breathing, you know, while mm-hmm. you smile, while you're sleeping, you know. Beautiful, beautiful lyric and, and rather tender, you know. Oh, yeah. And so Val comes in with this thing. I go, oh, I hate that feel. And blah, 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 we're in the studio. You know, <laughs> all these great musicians, Russ Kunkel and Lee Sklar and, you know, these really superb musicians. And uh, I'm like whining, well, what does that dorky feel? What's that sound? Oh, that's you, Chris, my keyboard guy that I worship, you know. <laughs> well, I'm going, oh, you're the one that sounds so dorky. And, oh, I just kicked and screamed, you know. And when he brought me the final thing, I go, okay, Val. Well, you know. And then everybody that, that has come into my life, you know, my husband walks in and says, oh, my God. God, that's why I love everything I love about your voice. Oh, it gives me chills. And then, yeah. and, and Val, so Val Garay calls me one day after, after the response has been the same. People have really liked that duet. Uh, <laughs> he called me up there and he said, you know, you've been cursed. I said, I have. Why? He said, because you're going to be singing that song for the rest of your life. <laughs> you know what they say about be careful, you know, love your hit because you're going to be singing it forever. Right, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, that is, it could very easily be one of the standouts. Yeah. Well, let's, let's give everybody a little clip of that one, too, so they can get a little taste of it. Yeah.
could stay awake just to hear you breathe Watch you smile while you are sleeping While you're far away dreaming I could spend my life in this sweet surrender I could stay lost in this moment forever Where every moment spent with you is a moment I treasure I'd miss you, babe And I don't want to miss a thing Cause even when I dream of you The sweetest dream would never That was I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, Sally's version, Sally Kellerman, off the Sally CD, which comes out on February 10th. You put a whole new twist on that song. I know, I know, really, and I, I'm not responsible for the feel of how the way is, you know. And, and I love it now, too. I just love it. It just... It's kind of a, well, they, what they were saying in the studio that day when we were recording. It's a Philadelphia sound. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of, um, you know, musician aficionados will know what that, what that sound is. Yeah. Particular period. So you have been doing some of these songs in your, your show? Oh, yeah. I've been, well, most of them I've worked on. Worked and, you know, and sung and sung and sung, you know, until we found a way into them and the way we wanted to do them. And then, and then in the studio, I mean, over overnight, I took in as a real slow ballad, and Val was kicking and screaming, I, you know, I don't want to do that song. And then Russ Kunkel said, let's do it in a very white feel. And Val said, who would have thought that is going to be, you know, this is, you know, my second favorite on the album, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, it's funny, the accidents that happen, it's, it's the, sometimes it's the accidents that, that turn out to be the best. Yeah. You know, the things you think are the big mistake or the, but, Anyway, uh, you know, in terms of the album, it, what I love is that so many of it, particularly like by heart, that the the uh, the ballad, uh, it sounds like a looks it sounds like a standard mm-hmm. yeah. that you've heard before, but you haven't, you know. Except it's just so lovely, and, uh, and I think the, the one is a Shelby Lynn song, uh, Tarpaulian, Napoleon. Nobody ever seems to know what that's about, but. I do. I know everything that I sang and meant, you know, but even if you don't, the harmonica that Val put on there is so gorgeous. Yeah. That, uh, you know, it just makes it so great. Hmm. Now, is the band that plays on the CD the same band that goes out with you in your act? Don't you wish. We are going to when we start hitting the road. You know, they've said they want to play with me, but... For instance, Russ Kunkel and Lee Sklar have been on every hit record that you've loved from the 70s all the way up. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, they're, they're famous uh, musicians. Yeah. They are. They're, they're just, uh, they, they used to just say, get me the section. They didn't have to use their names, you know, just to, just the rhythm section. Yeah. The section. And then Dean Parks, the guitarist, is just, out of this world the way he rocks out on the Creedence Clearwater song and how sensitive he is on, on uh, so musical on, on uh, over overnight and different things and he's just amazing and then my Chris Caswell you know plays the B3 and he plays the you know, world all kinds of he plays all the keyboards so 
certainly Chris and I, and then Russ and, and uh, Leah said, yeah, they definitely want to go on the road. And, and uh, I mean, they, they would go with, you know, they'd be my band. They'd like to be my band. I'd love them to be my band. And uh, we're talking about, I guess, the States, but we're going to, so hopefully, and, and Dean Parks, and who was it? I guess Russ just got back off the road from with Lyle Lovett and, and Dean is on Toby Lynn's newest album, Dusty Springfield. And, oh, they're just, they're really, I just vowed that that is the top of the line position. Yeah. I think you hear it in the, Oh, yeah. It's one of the other songs that uh, jumped out at me, it's a, a song I knew, Love Potion Number 9. Oh, yeah. Like I say, once again, I, I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself, but you put a different twist on these songs that are, uh, you know, you, you have them in your mind of how they always have been played. Then all of a sudden, you do a, a rendition of La Potion Number no. Nine, and it's it sounds like a totally different song. I know. I just I love it. And as I said, I've done a lot of work with uh, Mike and Jerry Lieber and Stoller. We've we've done some recording, and we've and they, they took me to Carnegie Hall this last year, and I sang alongside Manly Cole and uh, oh, what he Dance, Donald Fagan. And uh, so, uh, you know, I was very aware of it, and, and we just found this other this other way into it, just kind of a funky, kind of bluesy approach rather than the little poppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's fun to sing it. Well, well, we'll take a second here and give a little little clip of this one, too, so they can get a, a little right, piece of that. number nine from Sally and um, it comes out on February 10th and we hope that everybody's going to go out and buy this because it is a really great CD it's it's just so romantic I, listening to it is it's like you know you want to cuddle with <laughs> with somebody oh you do don't you I mean even and even when like like we said when you get to uh, the Greenest Clearwater song or, or La Potion I don't know I just now did such a brilliant job of just Connecting it, and I said to him once, I said, "What's going to connect with your songs, Val?" And he said, "Your voice." Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, it's February tenth, and that's just four days before uh, Valentine's Day. So I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, as I said, iTunes or, or Amazon, and, and it will be retail, and uh, uh, and you can get all that information on my website, SallyKellerman dot com. Mm-hmm. But it would be such a great gift. You know, you can't think of what you want to get somebody or something romantic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we'll also have a link on our website, onscreenandbeyond.com, where people can click on it to get to your website. Um, So if they're scanning through our site, they can get to yours. And uh, there will be a lot of uh, samples on my website of the the album. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if, uh, if you're worried, one of the nice things that people have said, is that, you know, 
so often you get an album and you know you like two songs on it right and that seems to be has for a lot of years has been kind of more than norm I think oh yeah <laughs> and you know you all make your own decision but it does seem that people have been saying but it's kind of an album that you can just sit and listen to the whole thing oh yes I really want to so yeah I feel really lucky because I know most people know me as an actress and it's like oh snow we an actor sings you know but I have always been a singer, and I just, uh, I was too neurotic when I was young to really follow through. I didn't think anything I, I recorded was good enough, you know, so I never let anybody hear it. And I, that has been true right along. This is really the first, and you know, when you do shows, people, I'm, Paul Williams I've worked with, and, and different people, you know, mm-hmm. and they'll sell their CDs at the shows. I've never sold anything I've, I've recorded uh, at the things, because I just, you know, I was always thinking, oh, no, I not quite good enough and, and now I'm like yay this was this there's up, no you know? yeah no doubt this one is you you have to sell this one <laughs> yeah so I'm just out there I'm going to stop on the street corners hey <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway so it's a nice feeling now can they buy it on your site or do you, is it just a link to like yeah, Amazon or something I don't think that not yet not mm-hmm. yet. They, they will probably be able to but not at this time so iTunes, Amazon, and then as I said, it will be retail also. So just go on my on my my web. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazon.com. Yeah. And you'll be able to see where all the places. Yeah. Now there's another song that I'm going to um, play a little clip from here, and you mentioned it earlier when we were talking. It was it's kind of a humorous song. Oh yeah, somebody called the cops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris, I, I was going up to sing for the police chiefs of California. And, and you sang that for them. <laughs> I was, and uh, Chris Caswell said, I'll write some, I'll write some original lyrics to one of the songs we've, we are been doing, you know, and they call me from the car. Well, I don't think anybody knows that song, so original lyrics to that wouldn't be too thrilling. So I said, okay, fine. He said, so I, I wrote a little something. You know? And he came back and he's practically written the whole thing in the car. <laughs> and, uh, is such a, he's such a tunesmith, man. He had eight songs on car, uh, eight lyrics. Uh, on uh, Karen Allison last year when she got nominated for album, Jazz Album of the Year. And he, he wrote all the lyrics to these jazz standard classics. And believe me, some of them are almost unsingable, you know, in terms of the rhythms and things like that. Mm-hmm. Not for Karen Allison, because she's a great jazz singer. See, I'm not really an uh, official jazz singer. I'm, my roots are in jazz, and they're also, in, you know, influenced by, you know, the rock and roll. Probably. Yeah. So uh, anyway, he's he's just a great lyricist, and the lyrics in this are so clever, aren't they? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening in the car, and, and and all of a sudden, I what did she say? <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I flip it back, and oh, okay, that's what I thought she said. <laughs> yeah, it is really good. So I love it as you play some of that. Yeah, we'll play a little bit of that. I'm not a troublemaker, I don't make waves I'm not the kind of girl who misbehaves But there's this guy I trusted, a real jerk This lousy two-bit hustler, a piece of work This lying cheat I dated should be incarcerated For what he did to me Somebody call the cops Tell them there's a robbery taking place 
Cause he broke into my heart and stole my love It's a hit and run case All right, that's another cut off the Sally CD from uh, Sally Kellerman, and it comes out on February 10th, just in time for Valentine's Day. Everybody should go out and get this to sit back with somebody you love and listen to it because it is very romantic. And we have Sally with us right now. <laughs> so when you're doing your shows, uh, you say you do a lot of these songs. You've been doing them for a while, and, and you've... Just working them out, working out, yeah. Yeah, I've looked on your website to see where you've been been playing, and uh, it it must be a great show to listen to. I mean, hey, it's a well, it's a lot of fun. It really is. It's just because the music is really good, and then because I just don't have any. Uh, we call it the anti-show, so there are no rules and can't make any mistakes. I lock the doors, so none of you do. You know. <laughs> the, and it's just, uh, it's just, I don't know, for some reason, I've never had more laughs in my life. Really? Yeah, and just all with just responding and back and forth to the audience, you know, and uh, and then to have the really good music and the great, you know. So it sounds like a, a very intimate show. It's, it's intimate, well, in this smaller club it is, but you know, when I, I do a lot of benefits and sing in these 2,000 seat theaters and everything mm-hmm. like that. But I feel as intimate in those big theaters. Right, yeah, even in the big big one. I, I get the feeling that it would be um, a, a fun show, too. Yes, it is. It is fun. People seem to leave happier than when they came in. You know? Yeah, well, that's what it's all about. They get to cry a little bit while they're in there, you know, and stuff like that. So it's just, I don't know, I just love it. And I guess one of the reasons I'm excited about finally having something that I'm excited about and, and proud to have out there is that It'll give me the opportunity to reach larger audiences and play, you know, in some rooms that I wanted to, to, to play in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I notice you're going to be in San Francisco coming up. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be at the Raz Room yeah. for a couple of days, and then I'm back in March. Uh, and then onward and upward. We're just, uh, you know, heading up, just going to work my way into Vegas and some of these casinos. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be good. Who knows, you know? But but it's just all—it's just right now. We're just red hot. Well, this will get things kicked I off. Love that you said that somebody came in when you were playing it. And said who's that? Yeah, I mean, like I say, I've been listening to it for days now. Uh, you know, back and forth, and it's just something that you know I like to. You know, it's a good CD, so it's you know <laughs> it's enjoyable as I'm going to work and I'm sitting in my office and. One of the guys walks in and he hears me listening to this and he says, "Wow, who's that?" And I said, "That's that's Sally Kellerman." He says, "The actress?" I said. Yeah, well, she's a singer, too. <laughs> I know. I mean, I cannot tell you how excited I am to be when, uh, I mean, I'm happy of any response, but, you know, just to be nice to have people really knowing that I that I am a singer and that this is a real deal that I've been at it, you know, seriously all my life. Yeah, but sometimes people's image gets so fixed on, well, for example, the ma- I mean, MASH. I mean, you'll always be associated with MASH, of course. I mean, for, I don't know if you feel that's for better or worse, but... <laughs> oh, you know what? It's great. I mean, to be remembered as anything, uh, you know, and, and it was one of the, just one of the happiest times of my life, and as this is, and uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm proud, you know. There was a series, and Loretta Swit and everything, and I, that's not who I am. I'm Sally Kellerman, you know, from the movie. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel proud that I, you know, create that character. Were you ever offered to, to, to do it on TV? 
I suppose I was, you know, but I'd been in television trying to get out. You know, right. I, <laughs> I was being offered all these movies and, and uh, got nominated for an Academy Award, you know. Right. Now, was MASH your first movie? Well, my first movie was uh, Reform School Girls. I had two lines, you know, <laughs> back in the back in the and the day, as they say, yeah. way back. And uh, uh, and then I had just around that time I had played had a little tiny part in a Jack Lemmon, uh, Captain Deneuve film, uh, playing Jack Lemmon's ex-wife or something. And, mm-hmm. and then I was in the Boston Strangler, and I, I like to tell that I was the romantic lead because I lived to tell the story. <laughs> I was just beaten to a pulp. Henry Fonda had been a big supporter of mine, and he came, I came on the set. He said, what have you done to her? She's a pretty girl. <laughs> but So I had these two small, tiny little parts, and when I went to meet Bob, and my sister used to come and say, shut up, big lips, you know, and everything. <laughs> now I have small lips compared to everybody else. But, you know, but uh, and so I never wore uh, red lips or anything like that. But I was, when I went out to the meeting, I, I went out for the part of Lieutenant Dish. And, uh, and I thought, well, Lieutenant Dish, I better wear some red lips. So I put red lips on. And I was halfway through the meeting, and Bob said, I'll give you the best part in the picture, hot lips. And so, uh, that's how that happened, and that was the first film. It was the, really the first blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. And it was a huge hit, and he said to me, while we were shooting a day, he said, you're going to get nominated for Academy Award for this. And I was, oh, you know. And I was secretly hoping, I said, oh, my God. <laughs> but I would say, oh, no, I doubt that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and, so that worked out very nicely and started a very loving, important relationship in my life with Robin Altman and his wife, Catherine. And I, I did several films with Bob, but I didn't do as many as I could have. And, and just a couple of times I just wasn't free to do it, and a couple of times I was just a jerk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> My only regret about Robert Altman is that I, I didn't grab every opportunity to work with him because he was so unique and special. Yeah. yeah. Now, I read somewhere that you had gone to school in New York, and you had some notable classmates. No, I went to school here. I I was a mama's girl. I grew up in the... Well, first I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. And then in the 10th grade, we moved to town. I thought my mother had ruined my life. And uh, I ended up at Hollywood High. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm a real local girl. And uh, there were a couple of people. My, one of my best friends, Norma Jean Nielsen, she was a child actress on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but she wasn't doing that when we were in high school and everything. But... Uh, one time, this actor Dan O'Hurley came to the school and he talked, and he was he was taught, you know, acting. Mm-hmm. So it took me to the twelfth grade to say out loud to anybody that I was going to be an actress, and because I thought, you know, I was kind of fat, tall, too too tall and too chubby, and uh, so I did, and I got this part in the play of, of the mother because I was the biggest thing there, you know, and uh, uh, and so I told my friend Norma Jean, I said. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an actress, and I'm gonna go study with Dan O'Hurley. And she said, "Oh, for heaven's sakes! If you're really serious about this, you have to study with Jeff Corey." So right out of high school that summer, I started working with Jeff Corey, and that definitely changed my life. But here, here were my classmates: Jack Nicholson, Robert Town, who wrote Chinatown. You know, was a great writer and did a lot mm-hmm. of those. Uh, he's written a lot of big, huge films. And, Carol Eastman, who wrote five easy pieces and several other things, and Roger Corman was in the class, who started Jack, and 
uh, you know, in those horror films. Yeah. I couldn't get them. I, you know, I, again, I was kind of just, I didn't fit anywhere. I was, you know, uh, I, I got to play an extra, a prostitute extra in the <laughs> Bronson Roger Corman film, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had directors and we had, you know, James Coburn and Roy Finnis and Robert Blake and a lot of, you know, talented, wonderful ones. Yeah, it's amazing. So many, so many people. <laughs> you know, is it in the drinking water there? <laughs> yeah, it was. And my best friend, Luana Anders, who starred in uh, Coppola's first film. Uh, she's my best friend. Uh, hmm. Maybe she became a writer. Lou Anders, but um, yes, it was. It was a, you know, it was a great class because when you're in class with people who are talented, and you know, all Jack had that. High voice, you know, everything like that. He always had magic. <laughs> so, so special. But, you know, on the voices, you know, and just as cute as he could be. But he was smart. You know, he was a lot smarter than me. <laughs> he really was. And I'd always be arguing with him. Well, no, that's not true. You know, they say people with a, smat, a little bit of knowledge are usually louder and more opinionated. I remember we were by the pool one day and I dove into the water when I came up. Jack said, see, she's got an opinion. She doesn't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> that was me. And I should have listened to Jack more carefully. <laughs> now, will all the people that you've worked with and you've known and everything, was it, has there ever, ever been an actor that you've had to work with that you were so intimidated because of just who they were? You know, like you mentioned, Henry Fonda and... Oh my gosh, Henry saw me on a television show, and uh, actually it was directed by Mark Rydell, so he probably gets that credit for that too. And you know, he did on Golden Pond a lot of great movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Henry saw saw me on uh, on television, and, and this girl that I'd met, and I didn't wasn't you know a real close friend, but I liked. She was a, stu- a stewardess, and, and Shirley, who later married Henry. But she called me up one day and said, you know, kid, uh, you know, my boyfriend's high on TV and, uh, you know, he'd like to meet with you and stuff. And I said, okay, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, and she's talking on this. She said, do you know who my boyfriend is? I said, no. And she goes, Henry Fonda. I go, oh, uh, hi, Shirley. <laughs> uh, and so I went to lunch with him and he, you know, he, had, she flew my film to to New York because he wanted me to do a play with him, and, uh, but it didn't work. I don't remember why it didn't work out. I guess he didn't like me, whoever was producing it or whatever. But uh, and then he, you know. But anyway, so yeah, I was very fortunate about Henry Fonda. Quite thrilled and, and honored that somebody like Henry would have taken interest in me. And then uh, I'm thinking, you know, we worked with uh, Lawrence Olivier in the picture I did with Diane Lane, was when I played her mom and. Uh, called A Little Romance, and, and Laurence Olivier was in the film, but he didn't start the same week we did in Paris, so we've been shooting several weeks, and I had a day off, and that was the day he was coming, and he sent a letter saying we had to call him Larry, <laughs> and, uh, you know, everybody had to call him Larry, Yeah. and uh, so I was walking in Paris, and I come upon where they're shooting, and my makeup artist says, oh, you've got to meet Larry, <laughs> oh, he'll be so excited, he'll love to meet you and everything, oh, there's his trailer, I'll just, you know, Go right in. I said, no, no, I'll, I'll meet him you know, tomorrow morning. Boom, he opens the door and in, kind of shoves me into Lawrence Olivier's trailer. And and I say, 
And she says, oh, who, who's there? And I go, oh, I'm so sorry, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Sally, come up. And she said, oh, I shall, oh, my love, my, my dear, my sweet something. Like, now I shall sleep like a dear boy having met you. You know, I was like, <laughs> I mean, walking out of the trailer, you know, and he was so darling. And, uh, wow. So, uh, you know, I waited on more stars than I worked with, you know, I mean, in the intimidating <laughs> kind. And Jack, you know, we were, we were just buddies, so, you know, if I'd have met him today, I'm sure I would have been intimidated. But, right. You know, uh, but then it was just, uh, just Jack. Pals, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just hanging out and, you know, working on scenes and, and things like that. So, uh, no, that was all from Los Angeles. And when I, my waitress days, I, I waited on, you know, everybody from Marlon Brando to Steve McQueen, Warren Beatty, Jack, I mean. So that's how, before you got into the business, you were a waitress? Yeah, that was, I was still in my high school skirt and long brown hair and, you know, a little still chubby and, <laughs> and that was a coffee house and, and we all, I mean, I, you know, saw Warren and I say, oh, we were just talking about the other day in the shape of that. You know, I mean, it has happy memories for for all of us who were alive at that time, and you know, and yeah. starting out. When you were working back in, you know, a coffee shop like that, did you have intentions of becoming an actress? Coffee house, honey. I could never have made it in a coffee shop. <laughs> Actually, I was fired from a coffee shop. Okay. This is a coffee house. You know? Okay, yeah. Pull the handle, and it was small. And, uh, but uh, did I? Oh, I was always wanted to be an actress. I always wanted to be a singer and always wanted to be an actress. And Oh, no, I was doing that to pay for acting lessons and singing lessons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. I worked at night and went to class during the day. Do you remember what your very first paid job in the business was? Well, I think it was reform school. Though. That that was? Because yeah. I know you did a lot of TV shows, like... Um, uh, just for an example, you got The Outer Limits, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, My Three Sons, uh, Bachelor Father, and My Three Sons. It's funny because it seems like everybody I've been interviewing has has worked on My Three Sons at some point. I, I did. That was about the best part I ever had until Outer Limits. I, I played something with the big horns. I was like a Nordic somebody who was his date, you know, I mean, you know like 30 <laughs> years younger than him or more. You know, I was just a baby and then big fat face. That's not my impression of myself. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, yes, I, I don't remember a couple of those. I didn't know I did a Bachelor Father or some of those, but I know I did that. Yeah. No. I just have a couple of lines here and there on those things. But yeah. Fine. But then, once Stefano saw me in a play, I was working, still working as a waitress, and Stefano wrote the screenplay of Psycho, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, I had done a play, I, you know, somebody, you know, discovered me in my waitress days, and so I did a, a play, you know, me and the people. And my first review was all over Fresh Beauty, and I always thought I was just hideous looking, you know, but that I was talented. And it said, although her Fresh Beauty was a delight to the eye, her wooden portrayal of Stockman's daughter loved so much that she should get out of the business. But then I guess six months later, I did a two-character play, Call Me By My Rightful Name, and Joe Stefano, who I didn't know, came to see that, and he came backstage and he said, the I saw you six months ago. The growth is uh, is amazing, uh, and I think I may do a TV show. And if I do, I'm going to find you a part. As he drove away, I thought, "Sure, I'll be at the restaurant for the rest of my life," you know. Hmm. And uh, sure enough, six months later, he sent me the part as Ingrid. The magic is yours, and it was an outer limit. Yeah. Harry Gardino and Gary Merrill, and I played a nurse. Every time I play a nurse, I rock it to stardom. <laughs> Maybe I should sing in a nurse's right. for, this, uh, for Sally. So he wrote me. A, he wrote me another one after that, and and then I just 
he just took off. Uh, you know, uh, Diana Highland, who is famous more for being, you know, to roll to one of uh, an early love of his. She died. Uh, was a wonderful actress, and she got sick on a weekend. They called me, would you like to be David Niven's, you know, girlfriend on the, they had a series with, uh, Gig Young, David Niven, and Charles Royer. Wow. And I was like, oh my god. And, uh, so, when I did that, I'm mean, sorry to regale you with everything I can remember. Should be writing the book. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I, that was a great opportunity for me, and, uh, David Niven strolling across. Oh my God, you're much too young and beautiful to be my my girlfriend. And uh, you know, just got off the plane, picking my nose all the way. And you know, he was charming. <laughs> He'd come down and sit with us old farts. You know, and it was so it was Charles Lee, big young. Wow. So that was great. And then I did Chrysler Hours and Craft uh, Theater and uh, all the shows that were really big. In those days, we had there were special events. You know, they were like uh, the Chrysler I did with Rod Steiger. Yeah. Playing, you know, hard bitten drunk. I played a lot of women who got beat up, you know, in my Chanel suit. <laughs> right on board on a craft theater. And then I was uh, in the pilot of Star Trek. I was a guest star with uh, uh, Gary. Yes, Gary Lockwood. Lockwood. Yeah. Yeah, Gary Lockwood. And uh, that was the second show I'd done with Gary. And we ended up being like the Velos and Yolanda of uh, TV. <laughs> we went up to Canada and did something, you know. Hmm. Yeah. That was yeah. Cool team, a dance team before your all's time. <laughs> now, so you are really part of the Star Trek history because that was one of the first shows, correct? The pilot? It was, it was, it was, it was their first pilot. Yep. And, and uh, yeah. Wow. No, yeah. I always felt that somehow I was responsible for the success of the show. <laughs> <laughs> now, another one, The Invaders, and uh, I noticed that you were in that, so I took my copy and I found that episode and I, I watched it the other night. And oh my God. <laughs> I just come back from doing Breakfast at Tiffany's on Broadway, and I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, on Broadway, we lasted three three things, but it was the Abe Burroughs, uh, David Merrick, uh, Al- Edward Albee, and then Mary Taylor Moore and Dick Chamberlain, and I was her standby, and I had three uh, two songs, and uh, you know, in the show, and played a character, and I would have been taken five months to manage to get three, three nights on, on Broadway, but... But I came back and thought, oh, my God, how could I have ever done television stuff, all the waiting around, you know. Mm-hmm. They're both such different disciplines, but uh, yeah, I managed to get back into it and love it. And I love Roy Sinnes, and, you know, he's, I always had a big crush on him. When he was my boyfriend for 10 minutes. It was a good 10 minutes, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that, it's, it's funny. I watched that show, and uh, it, the cast was pretty good. It had uh, E.J. Andre, who went on to the Time Tunnel, and also... Um, uh, James Callahan, uh, I think that was his name. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. he went on to Frasier, and Ed, Ed Begley was in it. Oh my God! So it was it was interesting to watch, a, you know, one of your early shows. And <laughs> right? Oh my God! Oh my God. Yeah. I, guess I did so many. I did. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> That's when you asked me why, why didn't I do the TV series? I had done all this, and I'd always wanted to be in the movies, you know, and. Uh, and then, of course, once I was in the movies, I, I turned everything down and get a band and go on the road. So I was not, I wouldn't suggest any, you know, new people starting out, don't follow my uh, my uh, career planning. <laughs> because there was no plan. It was just I was a child of the 60s at that point, you know, in the seminars. I just went with my heart, you know, where I needed to go and I needed to work on my music. Because I said I can't, 
I thought having taken so long to get into the movies from, you know, uh, late 50s into you know, 1969, I said, well, I can't wait that long to have to get my music in shape. I have to jump on TV and sing long before I was ready, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. <laughs> when I was thinking my film careers, I was learning to sing, you know. Yeah. So, not really, but... Well, our audience ranges all ages, uh, you know, and they'll know, people will know you from different things. Different, uh, yeah, generations. Yeah, yeah, like Back to School with Roger, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, how, how was it working with Rodney? Oh, I loved it, you know, because my job as an actress, my job was to love him. Mm-hmm. So it was the easiest deal in the world, you know, because that was, that was really, you know, they say, what's your motivation, what's your, you know, that was so clear that... Uh, and so, and you know, he's such a character and so talented, so yeah. brilliantly talented. He worked on that script. And that Mash and Back to School are my two biggest hits. You know, I've made a lot of movies. Yeah. Lots and lots of movies. But those are my two big, you know, $100 million hits. Which, mm-hmm. uh, um, and he was just, uh, you know, he'd come in in the morning, all right, I'm stoned, all right, you know, and then he'd go out, you know, and he, he drove us from here to there to there to here, and then he'd say, you know, I hadn't done a studio film in a while, and they'd drive us across the street from where I lived, you know, they, you know, they treated us like, you know, just so great. And he'd get in the car, and he'd go, ay, 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 this is the worst experience of my life, how could you possibly do this, it's really, you know, the more you complained, the happier I was. Yeah, well, it was, it was a funny movie, and to see you with Rodney Dangerfield, that it took a lot of acting, I think, because <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it, the, the the two it just didn't match. But you did it well. I mean, everybody, you know, <laughs> but you know, you just don't picture Rodney Dangerfield with you. <laughs> I know, and you know, I. But what I loved is the director gave me a nice compliment because he said, you know, that I helped make uh, Rodney, you know, human, believable. I mean, he was of course totally human, and he has a beautiful wife. I mean, my God, you know, uh, really just stunning girl that he was married to before he died and, yeah. and uh and everything but but he was such a silly old character you know i mean just goofy as he could be and oh yeah brilliant i mean i went to see him and i didn't even know if i was going to like his humor when i went to the meeting and all stuff like that but when i went to see him in vegas he was like a musician he just worked us all you know if he was if it looked like the laughter was going to die down he'd go up and if it was you know if it was going to He'd go down. I mean, he just, he just was like musical. Yeah. Fantastic. Another movie that you, um, I believe you got a chance to sing in this one was Lost Horizon in 73. I did. And you know what? Lost Horizon, when it came out, was not a big success. And, uh, it's a cult film now. In San Francisco, they're running it at midnight. Somebody told me in in a theater, you know, where people are just lining up and more people have come to me in the last few years, telling me, oh, you know, we, in, in London, some guy from London saying, oh, we play it every Christmas, you know, my family and blah, blah, blah. I didn't think that that got the credit that it, it deserved because uh, I thought it was a good movie. Oh, um, you know, I've not seen it in years because, you know, I, I don't have any idea what I was like in it. And I, you know, so one is kind of afraid, although, you know, one uh, tip to the wise, uh, you know, women, the women that are listening, you know, let's try to appreciate who we are in the moment instead of like with me, I look back, maybe I see something I did 20 years ago or, you know, 30 years ago and I go, hey, I wasn't bad. I was kind of cute. Too. <laughs> and, you know, and I wasted so much time, you know, oh, no, you know, loathing myself or 
or not feeling that I was it was good enough or that I wasn't pretty enough or something like that. And uh, so I say I say to you women who are listening, enjoy who you are and appreciate it now because if you get a snapshot or someone said like a a uh, driver's license picture, you know, and yeah. later and then you go, oh, I was really cute. Let's <laughs> start appreciating it right in the moment. Yeah, but yeah, Lost Horizon. I I always enjoyed that movie. I mean, I I like the original too, that with the Frank Frank Capra movie in 1937. But uh, you know, that one was. Uh, I mean, you know, they were you were in it, John um, Gielgud, oh God, Peter Finch. Over that cast, Lee Loman, Peter Finch, Charles Way, John Gielgud, uh, Michael York, Olivia Hussey, Bobby Van. I mean, there was so that's many, quite a cast. It was just an amazing cast and uh, an amazing time and. Uh, I, I, and the choreographer, and I am, you know, not a dancer. I mean, I move, and on stage, I love to move, but I'm not a, you know, a ballerina by any by any stretch of the imagination, or you know, a real dancer. And uh, it was Hermes Pan was our choreographer, and we had class for, I don't know, I think the whole thing took five months, you know, and he looked just exactly like Fred Astaire. And he moved, and just he was so great. And he said to me, "Well, you don't even have to dance because you got those shoulders, you know." And then Bert wrote me a song that went "Dee dee 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 to my shoulders instead of being groovy. We're kind of up, 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 you know, <laughs> down really fast. Yeah. But uh, that's I'm so grateful to, to have been in that and to have started my friendship with. I always loved Bert, and it's hard not to love Bert because he's so damn handsome and so talented. <laughs> but I started a really warm, loving supportive relationship with Hal David who wrote all those brilliant lyrics to every song that you ever loved Alfie you know mm-hmm. the world needs now is love and yeah just, you know windows of the world I mean they just they just wrote everything they wrote every hit song I oh yeah it. but in terms of history they all bound to be the preeminent songwriters you know? yeah. yeah there are other great teams and stuff like that but they will be right there at the now, your husband Jonathan Crane. Yeah. Um, he, he's no slouch either. He's he's done quite a few films. Yes, he has. He's a lot of wonderful films. Have you ever had a chance to work with him on a film? Well, we've done a couple of uh, when he had a company uh, before he and uh, Travolta tied up. You know, he had a company called MCG that started a lot. Of, you know, young director Steve Summers who does the Mummies and things like that. And, Keith Gordon, who I worked with in Back to School, who was passionate about a book. And so he started a lot of young directors and, and had a company that made films, you know, were not, not big budgets. And we, we developed a couple of films. We did Boris and Natasha, uh, the original Boris and Natasha, not the one that cost, uh, you know, 65 million or whatever they <laughs> We did one for three. But with Dave Thomas and, uh, but again, I, I haven't seen it. I, I don't tend to, look at my work a lot, you know, and mm-hmm. my husband said, you know, I saw it the other day, it's really funny, Sally, and you know, blah, blah, blah. but, uh, so we did that, but boy, that experience was, you know, uh, well, I'm not going to say leave me out, because if somebody wants to do a movie like that with me, call me out, but <laughs> it's hard, you know, because the only things we had to go on were, uh, I, I met with the, the voice of Natasha, uh, June, I can't think of her last name, but uh, she was always Natasha in, in the cartoon mm-hmm. and I said so what uh, so what you know what was it like and what was the background what was she said she loved Boris <laughs> okay yeah and you know, and what else you know uh, I mean there was just so little 
background again, you know, we were white, we certainly watched the, the cartoons, but mm-hmm. they were bad. I was always feeling maybe I wasn't bad enough. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, it was challenging to, to make a live action film out of it. Yeah, yeah. So, and your voice is so distinctive. Some people may not know it. They may know it. They may not. But uh, you did the voiceovers for Hidden Valley Ranch. I just, I don't know why I'm mad at Hidden Valley Ranch because they get so much free publicity from me because I did their their thing for years. Yeah. And then, you know, then they went a whole other way, more, I guess, accessible, you know, more just to shop at the market, get your stuff. And we did more the valleys and the, you know, or the romantic Hidden Valley. Yeah, you know, but, uh, you're... Let's, you know, uh, but I've, I've done everything, you know, from Mercedes to Cadillac to, to Volvo to Woolite to uh, something red. What's that? Uh, I always played it on the... Uh, Daniel... Daniel Redlands. I don't know. I'm sorry. That's terrible. Not to know. I'm sure you do so many things. <laughs> financial company, you know, played on the financial news over and over and over. <laughs> and uh, right now I have a Milky Way, where a couple of Milky Way commercials have been on. Yeah. Terrific. And, uh, <laughs> no, I've just been so fortunate. At one point, the Wall Street Journal said I was the most sought-after voiceover person. But, you know, I started so young because somebody just said to me one day, hey, you'd be great for voiceover to come this way, you know, and... So I just, I've had two different starts, you know, and then when I started starring in a lot of movies, I kind of let that slide, and then my husband said, well, you're an idiot, you know, (laughs) get every penny and nickel and build yourself an annuity, and so I started all over again, and just had a a huge, wonderful voiceover career, I'm so grateful to it, uh, Hmm. because having had nothing to do with my voice, you know, just just so, one of those lovely things that happen, you know, that people seem to like my voice. And speaking of that, getting back to Sally, I knew CD, yep. iTunes, uh, e-music, uh, Amazon, any any of those in retail. Um, <laughs> I, should <know> that. <laughs> I should be a barker <laughs> or something, but you know, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, the thing, one of, the, one of the musicians I work with, they said, you know, you're one of the only uh, singers, I know that sounds just like when you sing, like when you speak. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that'll get through. You know, somebody said to me the other day, "Oh, your voice is so soothing." Oh yes. I want to be soothed, guy. Yeah. Rush yeah. to your nearest. <laughs> yes, I highly recommend it. I think everybody should go out and, uh, especially men who want to impress their wives. With some romantic music, that's that's the key <laughs> on Valentine's Day. Get the CD, pick it up, bring it, and you know, sit down, have a nice quiet meal and a little candlelight, and put that on, and they'll they'll be you know getting many thanks, I'm sure. Oh, great! So yeah, go out and get that CD because it's an excellent CD. And um, Sally, before we just before we finish up here, I just want to. Uh, go over. Is there anything else that's coming down the pike for you? That we uh, any movies or are you in a movie? Call? We just uh, you know I thought we left off back in the day, but but the most recent movie movie that I made was called Boynton Boynton Beach Club, mm-hmm. and it's uh, baby boomers in a retirement community. And Susan Seidelman is the director, and she directed the, the Madonna picture, uh, Suddenly Seeking Susan, and 
she's done a lot of successful movies, but I can't think of what they are at this moment. But uh, it was such a charming film. It was Joe Bologna, Renee Taylor, uh, Diane Ken, Brenda Vaccaro, a lot of my friends, you know, from the seventies, and uh, and everybody was so good in it. And Lynn Carey was such a brilliant actor. And it was just so charming and heartwarming, and real sad and funny. And uh, I'd recommend that to anybody who wanted to see something more recent. Mm-hmm. And I just did a. I just my focus has been so on the music. Yeah. In these last four years. But I've had the freedom, you know, you get to be an older actress, or not not as many roles, and, and Miss Streep is doing all of them, and she's so great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's so, there's so many talented actresses and actors. I still call us actresses. I don't know what this thing about we have to go female actor, you know, but <laughs> it's just so precious to me that I could, I don't get it at all. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's so many talented, wonderful, amazing actresses and, and actors out there right now. You know, it's an exciting time. And uh, what was the point? Um, so anyway, so I but my focus has not been on that because uh, it's just been on the music. So, I, but I got a call and I just finished a, a Hallmark movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, for television, and I play a waitress. And hmm. I just can't think of anything I'd rather do because I had such a great time as a waitress when I was a kid. <laughs> So I just loved it. They couldn't believe how happy I was that I was playing a waitress, you know. Yeah. Well, you you say that you've been working for the last four years on your music, and it, it really shows on this CD, I'll tell you. Oh, it, you. It's a fantastic CD, and I urge everybody to go out and get it because it is it is well worth it if, you know, you want to go out on February 10th. It hits stores and Amazon, you said, iTunes. iTunes, yeah, so, and also check out sallykellerman.com, and you can find out more information about it. And our website on screenandbeyond.com will also have a link so you can get right to Sally's uh, website and everything. So, Sally, I want to thank you so much. I, I'm so honored to have you on our show and well, appreciate I'm honored to be on your show. And, you know, you have enough of it for 17 chapters. You know. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Well, that was our interview with Sally Kellerman. She's such a beautiful lady, a beautiful singer, uh, just just a nice person. And she she shared all that time with us to talk about uh, the different experiences in her life, the different movies, the the uh, new CD she has coming out. And I really I really think you should go out and get this thing because it is really a nice something you sit back, relax, and 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 just uh, just meditate a little bit and uh, sit with the one you love and and, and enjoy it. So you might want to check that out comes out on february 10th it's called sally by sally kellerman and uh, it's got a lot of great songs on it and uh, some uh, some covers she has like the uh, aerosmith one it's it, she does a great job with that with a duet and uh the say it isn't so which is my personal favorite on the cd and uh so just check check that one out because it's uh you can get it on amazon you can get it on itunes uh, you can go to a store and pick it up if you want there's a lot of different ways to get it but uh the main thing is uh, go out and get it and uh you can also go to sally's website to get connected to where you can uh you know uh find out where you can get it and also find out some more information about Sally. It's uh, sallykellerman.com, so you might want to check that out, too. And uh, that's about it now. Um, so we just want to remind you once again that um, the uh, poll that's going on right now for 
see if we can figure out what's going to win the best picture for the Oscars this year. We have the, the movies in our little poll, and you can just go ahead and pick it out and uh, cast your vote, and we'll see what we can come up with. And uh, let's see, one other thing. Oh, yes, uh, we're welcoming Tim Neely to On Screen and Beyond. He is going to be doing a weekly uh, entertainment uh, report on the website, so we hope you'll check that out every week. And uh, we'll give you all the information about what's new in Hollywood and all sorts of other information. So that's uh, uh, a nice addition to the website, and uh, we really, you know, I've known Tim for a long time, and it's nice to have him on board. And uh, that's about it for now. Um, coming up on our nep next episode of On Screen and Beyond, we will, of course, have another uh, interesting guest, and we are constantly making arrangements to interview other people. And coming up in uh, April, of course, we'll be heading over to the uh, um, California Independent Film Festival. We hope that uh, anybody who's in that area or wants to head on over there, there's going to be people from all over the world showing their films and everything, and uh, we hope you can make it. But we'll give you more information on that as that uh, approaches. And uh, until then, um, we'll see you on the next episode, 35 of On Screen and Beyond. This is Brian saying take care. <laughs>